Good evening, my darlings, and welcome to Marley's Ghosts. Tonight's story is A Recently Expired Corpse by E. G. Thompson. Iphigenia Jeannie Marie Templeton had always known her untraditional upbringing would likely route her toward an untraditional profession. Therefore, she hadn't had any qualms about applying for a position listed in the paper that most of her peers would have steered well clear of. Besides, head librarian at the Museum of Mummified Remains was just the sort of title she'd always hoped to have. Being the daughter of an archaeologist father and historian mother, her parents couldn't be more proud. A private collection, the Museum of Mummified Remains, was the result of Sir Lancaster Herod Hillingham's lifelong obsession with the dead. By the time Jeannie was hired, the obsession had grown into a borderline hoarding situation, and Mr. Hillingham was desperate for somebody, anybody, with the stones of M. Ori Moyer and the brains of Grecian academic, he thought necessary to deal with the situation. He'd hired Jeannie on the spot. Aha! A fellow explorer, he mused after a rather lengthy interview, made longer by Sir Hellingham's inability to stay on task after he'd learned Jeannie's parents had taken her all over the world in the name of their research. I knew I liked you. I knew it. If there's anybody who can sort out this mess, it's you. Now, my dear, when can you start? That had been two years ago. Since that time, the entire west wing of the estate had been converted into the museum. With every single artifact and book cataloged and appropriately displayed therein. Now, the Museum of Mummified Remains was open to both the public and scholars alike. The former, unable to come to terms with the spectacle within their very own county, and the latter otherwise unable to have access to such artifacts and resources within 100 miles. They were more than happy to pay a penny to enter the museum. One such scholar, Mr. Bobbins, regularly spent a few hours every day studying each artifact dutifully and reading every tome he could lay his hands on, which was only a small fraction of the collection. He'd never explicitly revealed to Jeannie what exactly he was researching, but it was not Jeannie's place to question. Her duty was to provide access wherever she could. It was a typical Tuesday. Jeannie and the head historian hired after Jeannie at Jeannie's recommendation to Sir Hillingham alternated duties so that each of them could have time for cataloging, archiving, and restoring without interruptions from the public. It was Jeannie's day to collect entrance fees, give tours, and assist anyone needing assistance. Therefore, she wasn't surprised to see Mr. Bobbins approaching her with his usual rapid strides. There's a body, Mr. Bobbins shrieked after he closed the distance between them, in the museum. Uh, yes, given the nature of this institution, Miss Templeton replied, adjusting her spectacles. That isn't at all out of the ordinary. 
Do you happen to mean a recently expired corpse, by chance? Whatever you want to call it, yes, upstairs. His cheeks were flushed and his cravat was askew. Thank you, Mr. Bobbins, Miss Templeton replied. Hobbs, will you ring for the constable? Then join us upstairs, and do warn any staff you see to stay clear of the area out of the constable's way. Hobbs bowed his head slightly to confirm, then walked briskly away. Miss Templeton was already running through the list of potential victims as she made her way upstairs. It was unlikely to be staff. They usually stayed clear of the place while it was open to the public, and when it was closed, too. There were only a handful of scholars in-house today, including Mr. Bobbins, and Jeanie was quite sure the latest group of public gawkers had already left. Preparing herself for finding one of the scholars, Jeanie was quite surprised to find the corpse actually belonged to a masked thief. Lying still on the floor, a pilfered article still clutched in his hand. Well, she said, are you quite sure he's dead, Mr. Bobbins? Did you check? No, 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 of course I didn't check. All right, I can do it. She replied, hiking her skirt in order to kneel at the thief's side. She hadn't seen a weapon, but she did another once-over just to be sure. Jeanie placed her hand on his chest and waited a full thirty seconds for it to rise or fall. Nothing. She then placed two fingers at the base of his neck to check for a heartbeat. I don't suppose I should remove his mask, should I? She asked a shocked Mr. Bobbins. The constable likely wouldn't approve. At any rate, I'm fairly certain he is dead. How? Oh, Mr. Bobbins asked. That, I'm afraid, is beyond me, Jeanie said. She sat back on her heel a moment and took in as much as she could, aware the constable could arrive at any moment. The masked thief was certainly dressed for the occasion. His black cotton suit and mask seemed to be made specifically for this task. He'd known exactly what he wanted to take and exactly where it was. Clearly, he'd intended to get in, sequester his chosen artifact, and leave before anybody knew he was even inside. Jeanie dipped her head over him and sniffed gingerly. The poor fellow had soiled himself upon expiring. But Jeanie was able to pick up tobacco, cologne, and... Was that lavender? Big pardon, Mr. Bobbins said, sniffing his lavender-perfumed handkerchief loudly. The stench, I'm afraid, is getting to me. You may wait by the door if you prefer, Jeanie told him. I'm just about done. Doing what exactly, Miss Tippleton? Mr. Bobbins didn't wait for a response before walking rather quickly toward the door. Tobacco, cologne, and gunpowder. Odd, but not surprising. Most of the men from the English countryside smelled of a similar nature. She sniffed. <laughs> Once more, but couldn't put a finger on the last faint but piercing odor. Jeanie then looked at the artifact gripped firmly in the thief's right hand. She only needed a few seconds to identify it as one of the several jbati on display in the museum. Odd. This artifact wasn't extremely unique. 
Therefore, the monetary value of this particular piece would be well below almost anything else in the museum. It certainly wasn't worth the poor fellow's life. This way, gentlemen, Jeanie heard Hobbs say loudly, so she'd have a chance to collect herself. He knew how she operated. Crikey, one of them said upon seeing the masked thief. You all right, miss? Jeanie had withdrawn to the wall where she stood with her own handkerchief held firmly over her mouth and nose. It was better to keep up the pretense. From past experience, it was much easier to glean additional information when she was underestimated and overlooked. A part she hated to play, but necessity often called. She managed a slight nod. You there, the constable asked Mr. Bobbins. What do you know about this? Me? he asked. Well, I was just finishing up with a scroll outlining the process of Egyptian bombing. Yes, yes said the constable, said dismissively, waving his hand, indicating to Mr. Bobbins to get on with it. Well, I'm getting to it, Mr. Bobbins replied, cheeks a deeper shade of scarlet. I was finishing up the scroll and heading back to Miss Templeton to ask for another text, the forbidden out with it. On my way, I nearly tripped over this fellow. That's all I know. I'd been reading in the West Reading Room because the light... This time of day is quite... Is there anything else? You have no details on how this man got here? Well, no, said Mr. Bobbins. I merely found him. Bloody hell, the constable muttered. And you, Miss... Uh, Miss Templeton, is it? Yes, and you are? Constable Jones, he replied. Do you know anything? I'm afraid I can only tell you that the item he attempted to steal, she said. It's an Ushbati from the 30th Egyptian dynasty. Certainly valuable, but not the most valuable thing in this museum by far. Hmm. The constable rubbed his chin. Was there anyone else here at the time of the death? Anyone else we can talk to? A few other scholars checked in with me this morning, Jeanie told him. Would you like me to round them up downstairs? Yes, you, you do that while I took a look at this fellow, the constable told her. Then he kneeled and muttered to himself. Now let's have a look at this mug of yours. Jeanie knew she had time to glance the corpse carefully, because this may be the only time she had to see his face. She turned to walk away as he was lifting the mask, then acted as she had something else to ask Constable Jones. She turned back and silently brought her handkerchief to her mouth, as if she was shocked by the dead man's appearance. Her silence gave her a full 30 seconds to stare at the man's face. She didn't immediately recognize him, but he seemed familiar before Constable Jones noticed her. He quickly stood to block her view. Was there something else, madam? I, uh, I thought I had thought of something, but I seem to have forgotten it, she said, covering her mouth as if the sight of the dead man distressed her. Forgive me. It's quite all right, the constable replied, his face softening slightly. Please head downstairs and round everyone up that you can. Teeny made quick work of the task with the help of her counterpart, historian Helena Shriver. But no sooner had the remainder of the scholars been rounded up when Sir Hillingham himself burst into the library, cane in hand, demanding to know the cause of the ruckus. Ah, ha, he shouted 
upon learning about the body and started slowly up the stairs. Let me see him. Let me see. I'm sure I'm right. I'm sure of it. Miss Shriver, Jeanie said to her, please remain here with the gentleman while I accompany Sir Hillingham upstairs. I'd like to keep an eye on him. Miss Shriver nodded, well aware of Jeanie's true meaning. Just last week, Sir Hillingham had been ordered by his doctor to rest, an order he immediately ignored. Jeanie caught up with Sir Hillingham and offered her arm to him, which he accepted. I'm sure it's Villow. The cur! He huffed the rest of the way up where the constable stopped him. Out of the way! Sir Hillingham shouted. It's Villow! I'm sure of it! The constable had removed the mask completely. Upon seeing the thief's face, Sir Hillingham stopped short. Oh no! He said softly and placed a hand over his heart. Oh, oh, my dear boy. Jeanie pulled a chair over for Sir Hillingham to collapse into. Do you know this man? Constable asked. Sir Hillingham, this is Constable Jones, Jeanie told him softly. Please answer his questions if you are able to. This is, was, Pierre Velot, the son of who I thought, that is, Charles Velot has long been a rival of mine. I always told him his obsession would be the death of him. But I never thought, not once, did I ever think he'd draw his own son into his schemes. Sir, the constable asked. The Ushbati Sir Hillingham had mentioned once or twice a neighbor who'd been eyeing that particular artifact. But perhaps it had been an understatement. The Ushbati. Sir Hillingham said, gesturing to the item clutched in Pierre's hand. No, 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 don't touch it. He who holds me holds death. That's what that one says, more or less. I think you'll find if you carefully open Pierre's hand there. Here, here, use my cane. Ah, see, there it is. Pierre's hand was blackened round a puncture wound in his palm, a puncture caused by the spike protruding from the Ushbati's mouth. With enough pressure, Sir Hillingham explained, the mechanism inside the Ushbati would release. I tried to warn the lobe that this particular Ushbati were not to be trifled with, that it need to be handled with extreme care. He was with me when we found this one, insisted it was his to take. I disagreed. It's been a... How should I say this? It's been a source of conflict between the two of us for many, many years. The constable had been nodding, eyes distant, deep in thought, during Sir Hillingham's tale. All of the pieces seemed to have fallen neatly into place. Motive, cause of death, and the item that caused it. Yet Jeanie did not feel relief. She had held that fairy Ushbati multiple times. Or had she? If you'll excuse me, she said. Although traps were not unusual, they were not common, and Jeanie was quite sure that none of the Ushbati housed in the museum were as deadly as the one young Pierre had stolen. Miss Shriver, might I have a word? she asked Helena. Of course, she said. If you'll excuse me, gentlemen, I believe Hobbs will have tea brought to you shortly. 
they went to a nearby office where Jeannie shut the door. You're a bit better with artifacts than I am, she began. Do you recall anything unusual about the 30th dynasty, Ushbati, the green-placed one, yes? Yes, that one. Helen pressed her lips together. Hmm, no, other than perhaps how usual it is, compared to some of the others we have here. Why? Sir Hillingham just claimed to the constable that there was a mechanism in the Ushbati's mouth, a mechanism that would deploy with enough pressure to puncture skin and deliver a deadly toxin. Oh, <gasps> Helen exclaimed. Certainly not. That's what I thought, Jeanie said softly. What do we do? Hmm. Helen pressed her lips together once more. No good will come of this, she said finally. I want no part. I better return to the scholars now. What will you do, Miss Templeton? I'm not sure, Jeanie told her. I need a little more time to think. Then I will try to give it to you. Helen met her eyes and nodded. Jeanie gave her a small smile in return. Now what on earth did this all mean? Jeanie cleared her mind, brought all the pieces of the puzzle into view. Two men, Sir Hillingham and Villot, were in conflict over the museum's 30th Egyptian dynasty Ushbadi. However, the only proof of the conflict was Sir Hillingham's word. Jeanie was sure the Ushbadi in Pierre's hand was not the original, but she was also sure the original was not likely to turn up just now. Knowing this, there seemed to be two glaring possibilities, neither of which was what Sir Hillingham had just told the constable. One possibility was that Sir Hillingham was counting on Below to steal the artifact, so he replaced it with a booby-trapped replica. The other possibility was that Pierre was not only sneaking in to steal the artifact, he was sneaking in to replace it with the booby-trapped version and accidentally deployed the mechanism on himself. Jeanie rubbed her temples. Why would Sir Hillingham lie? Was she absolutely sure he had? Jeanie knew of one way to check. She opened the door of the office and took the back stairway up to the second floor where the other Ushbadi were housed. All the artifacts were displayed out in the open, but they were behind a gate that no gentleman or lady would dare try to breach. Jeanie produced the key that allowed her behind. Sure enough, there was an empty spot, void of dust, where an Ushbadi had recently sat. Carefully, she ran a finger over a neighboring Ushbadi and noted a thin film of dust. It's not as if she and Helena were negligent in their duties. The Ushbadi, in the grand scheme of things, were not as important to keep clean as many of the other artifacts. Still, in this case, she was glad they'd neglected this section of the collection. Thankfully, the constable and Sir Hillingham were right where she'd left them. Miss Templeton, Sir Hillingham said, I thought you'd quite enough excitement, my dear. On the contrary, she replied and kneeled next to poor Pierre. Miss, the constable cried, what are you doing? The other oosh body in our collection are dusty, she explained. I thought I should check this one to rule out one possibility. One possibility? What's that? Sir Hillingham's cheeks were flushed. 
the possibility that Pierre was not only sealing, but also replacing our oosh body with a booby-trapped one. You see, I conferred with Miss Shriver, and neither of us recall anything unusual about the oosh body currently in Pierre's hand. Why would you allow us to handle anything potentially fatal? She stood and leveled her gaze at Sir Hillingham. You wouldn't, would you? I, uh, his cheeks darkened. This Ushbadi has the same amount of dust as the others, which means this replica has sat out in the open, a danger to myself, Miss Shriver, and any of our visitors, while the original is somewhere else. Sir Hillingham, you were certain Villo would steal it eventually, weren't you? Sir Hillingham's face contorted in a way Jeanie had never seen. A vein throbbed on his forehead, visibly pulsing beneath a wisp of white hair. White knuckles on a shaking hand clenched the top of his cane. Lady Hillingham said you were too curious, he finally said to Jeanie. She warned me you were too unseemly, too unnatural, and that you'd bring us nothing but trouble in the end. Sir, the constable asked, his mouth agape. You're admitting that you put this poisoned thing out where just anybody could touch it and do themselves harm? It was meant for Fallot, Charles Fallot. If you knew just how much trouble he's given me over the years, how many threats, you wouldn't blame me. But the law, I understand. Sir Hillingham slowly got to his feet. One of the constable's men put a sheet over Pierre. Sir Hillingham turned at the top of the stairs. Dimpleton, he said. Take care of everything. Do not allow Velo to take advantage of this uh, mistake. Jeanie, for the first time of her life, couldn't think of a reply. She merely nodded, her brow furrowed. This wasn't exactly how she thought things would turn out. Then again... She usually didn't think that far ahead, a flaw that had gotten her into trouble in the past. The rest of the day was spent fielding questions, shoeing gawkers, and cleaning up the museum from the mess the well-meaning lawmen left behind. Well, Helena asked the next morning, what now? A good question, Miss Shriver, Jeanie replied. I suppose since we're employed by Sir Hillingham's estate, Business shall continue as usual. Isn't there another crate of artifacts scheduled to arrive this week? Indeed, Helena replied. That will keep us busy while Sir Hillingham is away, Jeanie told her. I think the best thing we can do is keep the museum up and running until we receive other instructions. I agree, Miss Templeton, Helena said. After all, Jeanie said, opening the front door of the museum to reveal a crowd much larger than usual. We cannot disappoint our guests. The end. Thank you for listening to Marley's Ghosts. With me, your ghostess, Deborah Marley. If you would like to connect with me from beyond, 
those ways are in the show notes. Until next time, my darlings, sleep well.